name of the font they used in the credits of this movie that I will swear on a Bible is from the Microsoft Office suite, but I do not know the name. So I'm trying to reverse image search the name of this font. That's a real specific challenge, but it also sounds like something you'd get hung up on. This is the plight of a graphic designer. Because I'm like, make a spreadsheet, and you're like, reverse engineer the spreadsheet. (laughs) Dissect the spreadsheet, uncover its secrets. See, the thing is, I actually am trying to up my spreadsheet game because I am trying to use a spreadsheet to build Sophie's playlist. (laughs) Oh, nice. As opposed to a, a playlist to build the playlist? Well, I have the playlist, but the pro- my problem is that I just, I add so many songs <laughs> onto the playlist, and I would like this to be listenable by other humans at some point, so I'm trying not to go overboard with how many songs I have on it. So I have several different categories. I have, I have Happy or Peppy, I have Fae, Mystical, Magical, I have Colors, I have Weird Shit, I have Feels slash Vibes, Narrative, an ambient. <laughs> so whoever, whichever songs have hit the most out of those categories, or if I just really vibe with it, it's staying on the list. If not, it's getting taken off. <laughs> those are also all the CDs that she can burn in character. <laughs> true. Well, she can't burn them right now in character, but... <laughs> That's true. And the viewers don't know what's going on with this, anyways. <laughs> Look, I'm just glad that she hasn't missed Fireflies by Owl City. There you go. Fun fact about me, since we last recorded, is that me and Lindsay were having a, a, a head-to-head about figuring out stuff for the for the Marvel fanfic, and we were trying to cast the X-Men, mm-hmm. and I had to be physically restrained by myself not to be casting Damien McGinty as Banshee, on account of I did not, <laughs> could not think of a single other Irish actor. It's like, what if it was Damien McGinty? What if we got a Damien McGinty and he dyed his hair red and he did a big yelly? I think that would work out well. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we also cast we, we cast Captain Hook from uh, Once Upon a Time as his evil brother, Black Tom Cassidy. <laughs> there you go. Because I, I know you're not super, super deep in the X-Men sauce. What do you think Black Tom Cassidy's superpower is? And so his, his brother is Banshee, who has the power of Do a Big Yelly. What do you think Black Tom Cassidy has power over? Hmm. I feel like he's a he's a telepath or something, right? Or is he the one who just has like incredible charisma? Uh no, that's completely wrong. You know what his power is? What? He can control plants. Huh. Interesting. I mean, whatever boats your float, Marvel. What <laughs> whatever boats your float. Also, he looks like a vampire. He does. I just haven't I just haven't read Marvel in so long. I am learning things about the X-Men because I discovered the podcast Cerebro, and so I've only managed to listen to one episode so far because they're usually quite long, so I got to listen to four and a half hours of two gays yell about Selene, the oldest mutant from the dawn of human civilization. Since time immemorial, mankind has lived in fear of Selene. <laughs> I need to put this podcast on my short list. <laughs> Again, I, it, four hours long. It's going to be on the long list. <laughs> Eh, that's one car. That's one trip to see my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay was asking me who I would want to play Celine, and I was like, "I'm sorry, but my ideal casting for Celine can't be done because my ideal casting is just Audrey Hepburn acting like she's on bath salts." <laughs> nice. 
I'm a bad X-Men fan because I didn't know just like how powerful Chris Claremont was until listening to this and like going in like, oh wow, you wrote the X-Men for 25 years and then like took a break because you were pissed off at Marvel and then came back for like another five-ish years. Mm-hmm. All your X-Men faves are written by Chris Claremont. That's the reason the entire franchise is vaguely gay. And if he had his way explicitly mm-hmm. gay. Mm-hmm. Chris Claremont is the one who wanted, so Mystique is Nightcrawler's mom, but he's the one who wanted Destiny to be Nightcrawler's mom and Mystique to be Nightcrawler's dad. Mm-hmm. That is true. That is true. I just, I, there was, God, I think it might have been 2018. I think it was either 2017 or 2018. Chris Claremont came to my local Comic Con and... I went to a panel that he was on. He just seemed like such a great guy. And now I want to time travel back and like have passed me go thank him <laughs> in person. Be like, thank you so much for your work, sir. <laughs> you have no idea how happy you will make me and my friends in the future. <laughs> and then he's going to be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Anyways, I have to go back to writing about Nova Roma. <laughs> God. There's going to be no preamble for this episode because we spent the whole time talking about the X-Men. And this is not an X-Men podcast. <laughs> No, it is not. Maybe that should be our end of season Boko. It's like, hey, what what if what if the Glee kids became the X-Men? What should their superpowers be? Sure, why not? Tina looks like a vampire, so naturally she can control plants. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, look, I could see Tina doing like the sky high thing of, you know, like Hey, this person is very nice, and also they have an absolutely terrifying amount of control over plant life. <laughs> oh, when you said she was going to do the sky high, th- the sky high thing, I thought you meant like she's a goth who turns into a guinea pig. <laughs> Jenna Ushquitz deserves better than that. <laughs> Anyways, do you want do you want to count some numbers and then go make a podcast? Yeah, let's count some numbers. One, two, three, four, five, six. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me and welcome to Loser Like Me. This is normally a Glee recap and review podcast, but today we are watching a Christmas movie featuring people from Glee. Again! Again! (laughs) My name is Christina, and the funniest lines of this movie are in an Irish accent, so I don't trust myself to say them. (laughs) And I'm Tyler, and I'm just like a big Irish octopus, and I've got my tentacles in every podcast like, (laughs) NELLA! This is true. Tanner does. <laughs> well, you may not be Irish, but you do have <laughs> you do have a grip on a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I have Irish heritage. Oh, you do? I didn't I know do. that. I'm uh, predominantly I'm Irish, Scottish, and German, which means that the English hate me. <laughs> I think mine is Belizean by way of England and Czech, Irish, and German. You're you're from Belize? Uh, my dad's dad, yeah. But, you know, like, the settlers. 
settlers who came from England to live in Belize. Okay. <laughs> and ran a and ran a tree farm. <laughs> do you do you know about the cryptids in Belize? Uh, that I do not. <laughs> well, in in the Yucatan, you can med- meet El Cadeo. In Belize, they believe in him. They're not afraid to say so. Uh, I didn't remember every country has a monster. They're afraid of, in, in the nation, nation every, every monster has a country, yeah, a station they call their own. Okay, now if we're really going to do the Christmas special, we could, we should sing the Patrick Swayze Christmas song. <laughs> See, that one I don't know. <laughs> Gather around the world and have a Patrick Swayze Christmas time. <laughs> That's all I know. I've only seen the Netflix seasons because every like I I haven't found the time to go back and watch the old ones like between Netflix and Tubi, and I haven't found time to watch the new ones because I didn't pledge to the the Gizmoplex, and when you tried to stream it for me, the whole thing kept crashing. Yeah. And then I had to pass out because that was also the week that I got food poisoning. <laughs> the good news is I think MST3K has ironed out most of the issues in streaming. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. And like, honestly, it was, it was fun. That's a show that's fun to binge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Considering that the episodes are already like two plus hours long, that's in the show where you're like, you know what? I'm just blocking off an entire day. I'm going to watch everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this is not an MSDK podcast. This is... Yet. <laughs> yes. This... <laughs> well, we could. <laughs> honestly, we could. But we could. for now, we are watching the film Santa Fake. It came out October 4th, 2019. It was written and directed by Jeff Burris. It stars Dane mm-hmm. McGinty and Heather Morris alongside an other star-studded cast like Jonathan Rhys-Davies. Yeah, and... Jonathan Rhys-Davies is in this movie. <laughs> well, that, Which is actually isn't that much of a surprise because Jonathan Rhys-Davies will be in anything. Like, he'll be in anything. <laughs> <laughs> True. He will be Gimli, but he will also be the corrupt executive in your, like, $12 movie about a robot toy that comes to life. And he'll also be in Indiana Jones, but he'll also be an Irish gangster in this movie about (laughs) uh, community mutual aid. Yes. Uh, And who else is in this? And also the guy from Breakfast Club, whose name escapes me. Which guy is that? He's He's one of the, like, henchmen. Really? Huh. I'm going to be honest, the only names that I recognized were Damien and Heather. Judd Nelson. Oh! Huh. And he played Bender in The Breakfast Club, the bad boy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and also this film, this film, trivia fact, this film was shot over 12 days. Yeah, I saw that. Shot over 12 days on location in Santa Fe. Yeah, which is, so that's probably why they had to do it all in 12 days, because they probably only had time to do, like, they only had so much time to film in Santa Fe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And appa- apparently it was like a, a whirlwind rush kind of thing, which on 12 days, I don't know filming. Filming a f- movie like this over 12 days seems normal. Mm-hmm. Because, like, let's be honest here. We watched this movie on Tubi, your friend and mine, which is not to degrade Tubi because there are plenty of very good movies that are on Tubi. And this is a movie that is good. It was just probably made with a lot smaller budget. And you know what? Somehow, script's better than Glee. Yeah. And also, Damien can act in this. It's <laughs> yeah. wild. It's, it's wild how they gave him a character and he's able to act instead of just being a prop who they tried for five minutes to go, oh, diddly dee potatoes. <laughs> yeah, really. Really, though. 
I feel like we should actually talk about the movie proper instead of just ephemera about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we're, this is a tr- truly, this is, we're recording this at a weird time too. We're, we're late. We've both been working today, unlike the FBI. So it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the only thing I need the FBI to do for me is to keep track of Donald Trump's, <laughs> Donald Trump's records. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. This, the, we start. 25 years ago from 2019. So that's 28 years ago from now, but 25 years ago from then. Mm-hmm. There's a baby. A baby? There's a baby! There's a baby in Derry, Northern Ireland, and mm-hmm. there's a little person- Damien McGinty's hometown. <laughs> yep. There's a little person talking to the baby. is like, hello, Patrick, you're going to do great things. And a thumbs up and hands him a candy cane. Anyways. And turns to someone off screen and says, oh, this one, this one's the one. <laughs> This is the baby, and I thought he yes. was going to adopt the baby, but no, he's just here to say good luck to this baby. That's what I thought, too. And I was like, is this baby magic? Like, Not no. yet. <laughs> yeah, no. Unless you're considering Christmas spirit its own kind of magic. <laughs> this movie does. But then we get this honestly really nice opening credit sequence. It's this, like... It's this Shrek-style storybook opening where it, like, flips through different pages and we see, you know, oh, the baby who, the baby who has been chosen grew up in an orphanage in Derry, Ireland, and then got on a boat and traveled across the Atlantic to New York City. Yeah, and we see all these illustrations of him, like, he gets on the boat, he's, like, doing chores there, all whatnot, while it's fiddling, mm-hmm. aggressively fiddling. Mm-hmm. Peeling a mountain of potatoes, because that's yep. what you do on ships. You peel potatoes. <laughs> Precisely. But yeah, eventually he reaches uh, New York, and then we cut back to live action. We're at a bar called Bar! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Classic name, classic name. And Jonathan Rhys Davies is there. He's, he's playing a guy named Joel O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to Damien McGinty, and with uh, Damien McGinty is playing Pat, Pat Patrick Pat Keeley. Mm-hmm. I will not be able to stay in an Irish accent for the whole thing. Anyway, he's so telling Joe <laughs> that he worked on a cruise liner for two and a half years, and then about a few months ago, no, about a year ago, he got bored of it, so he just got off at New York and has been pay- stayed. <laughs> yeah, he just stayed there. He found work that pays under the table. And he's like, yeah, I like it here. I need a change of pace. And it's pretty rad. We don't, we don't know anything, but like, where does this boy live? Does he mm-hmm. live anywhere? Does he sleep in the kitchen of the places <laughs> he works? We don't know. And we're we not, not going to worry about it. Yeah. And he is an undocumented immigrant. As in, he has no papers. He has no he form has of no identification. Papers. He has no references. He is just, he, he just is here because he sensed other Irish people and and figured, hey, I can get them to. I could probably ask them for a job. And Jonathan Rhys Davies says, "That's the saddest story I've ever heard." But Irish people gotta stick together, so I'll give you a job. That's the saddest story I ever heard. I'm the one with the problem, not you. Get over it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as they go to shake hands for. Pat to start his job with Joe. We get a real big close-up on the ring that Joe is wearing. And me being me, I'm like, is the ring magic? Does the <laughs> ring contain poison? 
I probably the second one. Or it just really messes you up if you get punched with it. Both could be true. It's like the phantom with the skull ring where he punches you hard enough to leave a skull indentation in your skin. <laughs> uh, so then we get another montage. I think it's like 10 minutes in and we're already at two montages. Mm-hmm. Customer service montage. <laughs> yeah, he's working at the pub and he's working alongside a, a guy named Freddy uh, and things seem to be going all right. But then there's a pause while Pat is sweeping and Freddy gets pulled aside and Joe's like, do what I tell you or we'll have a problem. And I don't like having problems. I have solutions. Uh, and then we never see Freddy again. Mm-hmm. And during the during the montage, we see we see Pat being blessed with small amounts of change for tips because Joe's bar is implied to be one that does a decent amount of business. But, but also it's a front. Yeah, but also it's a front. Um, and it's also, a pillar of the community, <laughs> but the community is the Irish mob. Yes, and so absolutely there is no way that Pat is being paid fairly for his labor, but maybe they've maybe they've got a space for him to sleep uh, on top of the loaves of bread in the kitchen or something. Yeah, I mean, also, it was already being paid under the table. Like, it's there's no union. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's not, it's not ideal. No, it's definitely not ideal, but it is a Christmas movie, so you have to take a certain amount of unreality into account. Yeah. And we do also see that Pat is a kind person because there was a gentleman who I'm guessing who was who was having issues with getting off of a chair and Pat stopped him before he could fall over. And he's like, hey, thanks, Pat. You're a good guy. And being Damien McGinty, he's, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm just happy to help. <laughs> and then, yeah, as we come out of the montage, this is happening. And then we, we pan over to Joe, who's talking with like his two henchmen. And he's like, gentlemen, we've had a great month. And so uh, we're gonna have so much money and we can go on vacation or something like that. I didn't write down this quote like I did so many other quotes. Um, <laughs> I, have more, I have more pages of notes for this than I did for Falling for Christmas, Christina. <laughs> I have, honestly, relatively fewer notes. Mostly because I just kind of sat there and let the movie wash over me. <laughs> and also because I was like, it's okay if I don't take that many notes because I know that Tanner... Has Tanner is a creature... <laughs> Well, no, it's like, you would have, you probably watched this movie more than once. <laughs> I watched it once and a half, and the half was so that I could accurately update the Wikipedia page, because the Wikipedia page for it was very paltry, and I was like, no, <laughs> the world needs an accurate plot summary. If they can't, if they're oh not able to find our podcast, they need a publicly available summary of this film so that they understand what happens to Pat. <laughs> Anyways. Um, oh, hey, look, if I go into the Wikipedia page, first on the list, edit by you. Yup. Oh, this delights me, Tanner. Thank you for your service. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyways, Pat's talking to the bartendress, and she's like, does Christmas make you miss your family? And Pat's like, no, I don't have any family, and we never had Christmas at the orphanage because it was too poor. Which is like, that doesn't make sense, on account of we later find out the orphanage was also a church, and it's like, I feel like the church wouldn't care how poor you are, we're still gonna celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ! Yeah, but... <sighs> yeah. It's, they probably had, g given Pat's attitude towards religion, it's probably pretty likely that the Christmas was a lot of, as fire and brimstone as you can get with the birth of Jesus Christ. Oh no. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Again, also because, like, look, he specifically says he's from Northern Ireland. And yeah. like, and he grew up during the Troubles too. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, no, his he was born during the Troubles. So. And, and he would well, okay. I guess he would. They would have been ending just around the time where he was like able to think. Mm-hmm. But still, coming out of that, and it's already poor. Plus, yeah. yeah no, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't wanna I don't want to um cast aspersions for Irish Catholics, but I feel like there's nothing to turn you against religion than growing up in an Irish Catholic a poor Irish Catholic orphanage. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. Anyway. back to the present day. In in a very glee moment, uh mm-hmm. Pat just sings Danny Boy unprompted. Yeah, I <laughs> no joke. Pat was sitting there looking so sad, and I heard the music in my head whipped toward the TV. And Damien began to open his mouth, and I said, Oh, God, not Danny, boy! <laughs> I-, I feel like Damien Beginty deserves to have his pay be increased by a certain percentage if they're going to make him sing Danny, boy. I... <laughs> it's not a bad performance, but he's got to be sick and tired of it by now. <laughs> the, I was going to say that to make him sit and get on Glee, but they did make him sit on the Glee project. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... He really gets he gets to stretch his chops both song-wise and acting-wise, so I feel like he doesn't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea if the director was Irish or like me just like has a fascination fixation on on Damien. <laughs> so who knows? Clearly Damien enjoyed singing it. Oh yeah, definitely. Probably probably because like again, like he's a character. He's not an Irish prop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, I said something similar during Falling for Christmas, but I'll say it again here, too. Like, this feels like a movie that was fun to make. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, he finishes, and the song is good, and Joe is like, Ah, clap, dummy! And everyone in the bar claps. It's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we cut to closing, and Joe is asking Pat for a favor, and Pat's like, Oh, there you need, Joel. You've been like a father to me this past few months. Like, Saint Joel, the patron saint of fathers. <laughs> and Joe's like, great, here's what you're gonna do for me Take these suitcases a couple blocks down to Sean at the train station Do not peek, and when you get back, I will give you $10,000 Mm-hmm, mm-hmm <laughs> And Damien, or not Damien, excuse me, Pat Like, goes to take the suitcases And Joe is like, uh, jo- Joe threatens him But on the way out, he also says, oh, well, wear your coat, it's cold outside <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so well. First, Pat is asking why can't Fred do it, and because he hasn't seen Fred around in a while. And Joe's like, "Don't worry about Fred. I had mm-hmm. to let him go. He was untrustworthy." I can trust you, Damien. That <laughs> was veering into Scottish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is why I don't do the accents. <laughs> and for for the record, also Jonathan Reese Davies is Welsh. Ah, there you go. He has the range, um. darling. But yeah, and then at like after da- now that Pat has the fear of God in him, he's mm-hmm. he's just outside, and Joe is like, "Don't dawdle, don't stop to talk to anyone, and in the chance that something goes wrong, just run like hell to the station." Yeah, and then yeah, as he steps inside, he shouts, "Put your jacket on! It's cold outside." Mm-hmm. And like, Pat clearly knows that something is up because he gets like he steps out into the cold, and he's holding these two briefcases, and he's like, "Oh boy, I gotta go." He's he's trying to rationalize it. He's like, oh, it's a perfectly perfectly good reason not to look inside. It's insurance policies, or it's a secret recipe for craft beer, or a date to the pub. Yeah. And so he he starts to walk towards the station, but then he sees some people looking at him weird. He he's he sees concerning men in trench coats and also cops, which are just concerning by default. Yes. And <laughs> and he decides that he is going to run away. 
Yep. He just immediately decides to panic. Yeah. And then we have, we get a split screen of Joe on the phone with his affiliates talking about like how he's got the perfect stooge to drop off the briefcases in Pat because he's just such a button bright young lad that if he gets caught by the police, they're not going to kill him. They're just going to deport him because look at him. He's such a sad Irish boy. But if anything does happen to him, it's okay because he's got no family. He's got no papers. <laughs> he's not officially on my payroll. And He's practically dead already. Yes. And on the other half of the screen is just Damien McGinty running his darn, just swigging two briefcases by his side as he runs through parking garages and across narrow streets. <laughs> and I'm just like, that must have been difficult to carry but gosh it's funny <laughs> yeah and he I do, I do like the fact that like the moment pat is at the door joe immediately gets on the phone and starts about yeah we can totally kill this kid he means nothing to me yeah yeah and then and he'll never he'll never betray me ever because i'm his favorite and then cut immediately to pat who has ran instead of the train station he ran to the bus station he's like mm-hmm. i need to the whatever bus is leaving now Mm-hmm. And the the unimpressed uh, ticket operator tells him, "Yeah, hey, there's one, there's one that's leaving in ten minutes, and it's headed out west." And he pays in loose pocket change, <laughs> which was enough to get him a ticket. But then he yeah. uh, he hops on the bus, and we get a series of like, "You've heard of traveling by montage. Now we're gonna <laughs> travel by PowerPoint presentation." <laughs> different scenes of travel fly in and like we see different parts of his travels and then we start seeing mesas and i was like oh they really meant west (laughs) dang it's almost like this movie that takes place in santa fe and was shot in santa fe is headed towards santa fe yeah but i didn't know it was shot in santa fe or set in santa fe until i started watching the movie (laughs) and also i since it's not disney owned they can't sing Santa Fe, my old friend, I can't stop myself from shining. Or whatever the song is from Newsies. <laughs> it's Christian Bale doing an accent. <laughs> I haven't listened to it often enough to know how it goes by heart. Will you keep the candle boiling? Will you help me <laughs> find my way? Santa Fe, my old friend, wait for me. Santa Fe. Apologies to Mr. Bale. They pay but... me in wimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he arrives in Santa Fe, passes by a mariachi band immediately, and checks yes. into the Ortega bed and breakfast. And there's this fun little uh, Latina grandma there named Mrs. Ortega. Mm-hmm. Okay, well maybe not grandma, but she she's she's like forties. Yeah, she's a delight. I love yeah. her. She's super excited because he is her only guest. She mm-hmm. loves having company mm-hmm. ever si- ever since her her husband died of Hallmark movie disease. And I tweeted this. <laughs> it's really nice to see a husband get claimed by Hallmark movie disease instead of uh-huh, a wife and mother. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But she's very sweet. She is Latina. And she's she just very much is like, I want to make this, I want to make this small Irish boy feel at home. So she kind of busybodies around and... Helps him get settled and says, oh, you have, you look like you haven't eaten in three days. Let's get you some food. Yep. And he's, of course, because he's Damien McGinty, he is charming and he's so thankful that she's giving him a meal. And she sets down 
food in front of him and it's you know like it's it's refried beans it's probably rice there's some meat there and uh and also (laughs) they each have their own margarita (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's the instant he puts the food in his mouth the mariachi band starts up for the background music because (laughs) it's too spicy for a little irish boy (laughs) He has never had a single Scoville in his life. <laughs> oh god, and the and the music continues as he tries to he tries to get rid of the spicy with drinking the margarita. And then that takes him back because he's like, What is in here? And Mrs. Ortega's like, There's tequila, it's alcohol. <laughs> and he's like, Oh no, that's not helping. And she finally gives him I think it's I think I think it's bread with honey. And that helps. And the mariachi band fades into the background. <laughs> <laughs> but they have, they have a, the rest of the dinner is nice. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, after that, that was too much for this boy, though. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mrs. Ortega is trying to make conversation. <laughs> She's like, are you here on holidays? And he's like, no, yes, maybe I need a nap. Yeah. <laughs> Peppers were too spicy for this poor little meow meow. So he has to go take a nap. <laughs> exactly on his way to his room he's like oh think the woman just tried to poison me it's like okay calm down pat like yeah yeah relax you know you're just irish Mm -hmm. uh and then as he falls asleep there's sad coyote noises (laughs) there are there are and then he wakes up as many of us do when they take a nap after eating something he wakes up like nine hours later having taken an unintentional coma nap (laughs) yeah and decides he's gonna go call Joe, and so he calls Joe and says, "Hi, I hi, like I made it to the. I was gonna head to the station, and then there were people there who were scary, so I took a detour, and I will get to the station as soon as I can." And Joe just yells abuse at him, like, "Like you better get to the station, or I'm gonna kill you." Something like that. Is this the part with the tentacles? No, the, oh, the tentacles aren't until the end, baby. Hmm. I thought the threat I was about was... to say you gotta save tentacles for the climax, but that's a different movie. Anyways. And a different podcast. <laughs> Joe demands where, to know where Pat is, and Pat's like, I'm gonna call you back. Good boy. Well, he says, I'm a new, and then I'm gonna call you back. So that's two states out of the 50 that he could be in. <laughs> yeah. And then Joe's like, well, I'm gonna have to kill him now. And then he like looks close at the phone and is like, aha. An, an area code on the caller ID. Yeah, an area code that was showing up on this telephone that looked like it could have come from my grandmother's house. <laughs> Truly. It's like, how does that thing have a display for caller ID? <laughs> but you know what? It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Don't worry about it. I won't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, so after... After this heckling, Pat goes back to his room. He's looking at the suitcases. He's like, oh, please don't let that be Freddy in there. Mm-hmm. Is, wait, is it the next morning that he does this? Or is it the same night? Uh, oh, no, I think it might be the... No, it is still the same night. Mm. Because um, yeah, he, he celebrates. He makes it rain. Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet Lord mm-hmm. on high, thank you for making the contents of these here cases no thread. <laughs> yeah. And it is exactly one million three hundred thousand and two dollars. Mm-hmm. And now me being me, I'm just over here, I'm like, the fingerprints. <laughs> Baby girl, don't worry about it. It's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, I put aside my my concern for the for the law enforcement very quickly. 
Because <laughs> there's there is exactly one law enforcement officer that I will care about in this movie, and he has not shown up yet. He he's like barely a cop. He's nice. He's not. He doesn't actually do law except for getting the bad guy at the end. Listen, it's important to be aware of copaganda, but also you can give a little bit of leeway to fictional cops because they're not real and they're usually written by people who think cops are better than they are. Yes, true. But always use your judgment. Yes. But yeah, so uh, all of a sudden he's got a lot of money and he says, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna keep my 10000 as an investment, as an advance. That's yep. what he says. <laughs> And so he runs down, he like, because initially he was like, oh, I'm only going to be able to stay here for, more, for one night. And then he goes down to Mrs. Ortega and he's like, great news, I can be here for more nights. Uh, and so he requests some steak and potatoes and she's like, we only have lamb. And he's like, oh, that's even better. Because <laughs> when the world seems bad, shut your eyes and open them and everything seems new. Also hold the chilies. <laughs> so yeah, me- Meanwhile, back in mm-hmm. New York, mm-hmm. Joe has determined that the drop is in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So he's talking to Judd Nelson and, ooh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, I don't know. Let me look. Let me check IMDb. I forgot I had this tab open. <laughs> there is also apparently a movie that Heather Morris was in called Romantically Speaking, where she is a DJ. Fascinating. So he's talking to Seb and Jim, who are played by Judd Nelson and Jeff Fahey. Mm-hmm. I am not familiar with Jeff Fahey's work, but apparently he was on Lost. Oh, nice. Good for him. Uh, but yeah, he's like, yep, the drop is in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, so go get the money, but leave the boy there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then Seb, because Seb, Seb is the dim one. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, boy, what, boss, what if the boy squeals? And Joe says, yes, that I was implying that you should leave him there dead. <laughs> All right, boss, how do you want it done? I don't really care. Humanely. No, he's caused me personal harm. I want it done as inhumanely as possible. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) See this Damien McGinty? I want you to make his life a living hell. (laughs) And then an actual hell because I want to kill him. Force him to sing Danny Boy every day of his life. (laughs) Force him to sing Danny Boy for Ryan Murphy every day of his life. (laughs) (laughs) That probably is his hell. That would have been a lot of people's hell, I think. <laughs> that's true. But, like, that's specific. I mean, I wouldn't like it, but I feel like for Damien it'd be personal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my hell would be forced to sit there and watch Damien perform Danny Boy. Because even if he <laughs> sings it great, it's like, no, he doesn't deserve this. He has so much more range. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Anyways, uh, it, then the next morning, he wakes up. He smells like shite, so. Mm-hmm. He takes the money, he takes his advance, and he mm-hmm. asks Mrs. Ortega to drive him to the mall so he can get some new clothes. And now it is time for funky mall music with fiddles and a keyboard. <laughs> Honestly, my one thought during this whole montage is like, oh, he's gonna be a boot-scootin' lad. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be a cowboy, baby. Because <laughs> he is! He buys himself this, like, bright red with, like, white paisley applique and he doesn't have a hat but he does have aviator sunglasses and i think he's got cowboy boots and he's and it's all tucked in with a belt with his jeans because previously he'd been wearing a very nice like it looked like a sailor sweater and a, like a navy pea coat which is a good look it's just too hot for new mexico yeah plus he was probably wearing that for like the previous three days 
Yes, that is true. Also, he Pat has a literal kid in a candy store moment where he's just like standing in a candy store holding a lollipop and be like, he he, I can like mm-hmm. <laughs> Also because like, he grew up in an orphanage. How much has he gotten to have sweets? <laughs> That's true. At the, the, the no Christmas Catholic orphanage. <laughs> <laughs> they say we take the Christ out of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mass. Twelve hours of mass, and you better remember all the instructions. You're a dead motherfucker. Oh, that's good. I might have to remember that one to tell it to my dad. <laughs> so, and then of course, because Pat is an innocent little meow meow, mm-hmm. he tries to call Joe again. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, look, Joe. I still think that you. I still think that you're a decent person." So. I just wanted to let you know I'm okay. And then, Joe, I wrote this whole thing down. Good. Thank you. Shut up and listen to me, you thick mick. Did you seriously think you could steal from me? It may please yet to know that two associates of mine left last night to track you down. You see, I happen to know exactly where you are. Don't ask me how. You are in Santa Fe. So believe me, it's not going to be the police or immigration that gets you. It'll be me. Don't even think about going to the police because I have tentacles that reach into any jail cell in the world. So Merry Christmas and do enjoy the last few hours of your life. (laughs) And as he's saying all of this, like, Pat is in a public phone booth. And he, he's, he's not doing like the I'm in a glass case of emotions, but he is like shrinking further and further back into the phone booth and like looking around suspiciously like, is Joe going to appear from outside the phone booth and eat me? Damien truly has some amazing face journeys. He does. Pity they didn't use it in Glee. Yeah, right? Like, can you imagine mm-hmm. if they let him do that while he's reacting to Brittany? <laughs> Like, if uh, imagine if he had been there for the previous season where he got to listen to her explain why she was totally pregnant, you guys. <laughs> God, could you imagine? Uh, well, no, not, no. What I was going to say is Glee's loss is Santa Fake's gain. Truly. Mm-hmm. I mean, this filmed f- like four full years after Glee finished filming, so. Yeah. He could have he done both. But also, like, I know, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's after this when he's, he's unsure what to do, so he's wandering out of the mall and he's looking around furtively, and he doesn't notice- Oh, he's not wandering. He is, he is once again panicking. <laughs> True. He is, he is panicking, but he's, like, glancing around corners, and as he is trying to exit the mall without being caught by Joe's tentacles- <laughs> He runs into Heather Morris, and I was like, finally, Heather Morris is in the movie. Yeah, it takes a little bit for this movie to get going. I mean, not get going, but like, get to the the fake Santa part of Santa fake. Mm Mm-hmm. And cards on the table, from just having read the synopsis before I started watching the movie, I thought there was going to be a second criminal. I thought thought Damien McGinty was going to have to fight a criminal dressed as Santa Claus. I did not realize he would be the criminal, technically speaking, dressed as Santa Claus. His crime is caring too much. And also, technically, he did steal a million dollars. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like the crimes cancel each other out. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he runs into Heather Morris. Uh, Her character's name is Emily. 
And she like, he's like, he, they all fall over. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Can I help you? And she's like, help me? You can help me by becoming Santa Claus. Put on this fake beard. Yes. <laughs> because it turns out that Emily is in charge of running the, running like the let the kids meet Santa booth. Exactly. Yeah. Look at this line of kids. I hired a guy six months ago. Mm-hmm. He's a no show. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, all he can do is uh, he's like. He, he takes the outfit because, again, he's Damien McGinty. He's a kind person. He's going to do it. <laughs> also because the security guard showed up and spooked him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to get changed in the bathroom or whatever, and he's, like, holding up the Santa beard to his face. It's like, <gasps> the perfect disguise. He can hide in plain sight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he he gets dressed, and he I always forget how tall Damien McGinty is, but... Mostly because they're always shoving him into the background on Glee. But he does make a pretty good Santa. Especially when when Emily is, I guess, is inspecting him before he goes out to meet the kids. And she says, eh, you're not fat enough. And shoves an entire pillow under his shirt. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And then she's just like, by the way, you're not a psycho, are you? (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I'm definitely not a psycho. She's like, okay, great. Uh, she pulls him out. She pops him down the chair. <laughs> She's like, you look amazing. By the way, whatever you do, do not show fear and they'll tear you apart. A nice <laughs> accent. <laughs> At some point during this whole scene, we also get a scene with the FBI because the FBI have found out that Joe's boys are headed down to Santa Fe. They're like, well, we should also head down to Santa Fe to see if we can get something on Joe O'Brien, the Irish mob leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to worry about that for another half hour. Anyways. Yeah, it's, I think that's actually intercut with the first montage of Pat being Santa for the cute little kids. Yeah, but truly, it, it has so little bearing. But, but, anyways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Pat looks out at the kids. Hmm. Hmm. Bloodthirsty maniac children, or being killed by what's probably a gangster and his dogs? Skindelwife? Fetish sharks? <laughs> so yeah th- then we get a child montage this is the movie that loves a good montage yes that's a lot of montages <laughs> so the first kid she is not speaking the second kid is just like starstruck mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the third one is a rich little shit <laughs> yeah he was the one about like oh and i need a yacht because i don't something something about a yacht and I want an airplane, one that flies, and a speedboat, and a yacht that's different, and a candy factory, and an elephant, not a stuffed mm-hmm. toy, a real one. <sighs> there's there's two twins who are speaking in their twin language. Mm-hmm. Which is adorable, especially because Pat is just sitting there. He's like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Like, he I knows mean, what they're talking in, about. In some ways, I imagine this is also Damien. Like, aside from one or two yeah. kids, I imagine these are just normal kids in Santa Fe at the mall and there's like okay kids line up to meet the Santa he's got an Irish accent don't question it <laughs> hey parents here's the here's the agreements to sign because your kid is going to technically be in a film yeah congratulations your kid has a SAG card now <laughs> god that'd be wild there is one child who shoves a sucker in the beard and so like I just said maybe they were told to do that maybe they just did that on their own volition <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one child who's making some extreme faces and then just... Oh, so yeah, so this child, because I remember why I have this note down. He was making some really intense faces while in the line, just like baring his teeth and snarling at people. And then <laughs> when he gets to Santa, he's like, all right, good, what do you want for Christmas? Fire! Well, I can't make any promises. God. We finally cut back to the second girl and she finally just goes, I don't know what I want. <laughs> Kids, man. Do, do you have any Santa's knee moments that really stand out to you? No. Mostly because the the only times that my family went to see Santa, I think we stopped going to see Santa around when I was around like seven, eight, something oh, okay. like that. So they never, like, you never went to your, okay, no, I was about to say you never went to your dad's Christ, office Christmas party and they had a Santa brought in for the kids, but I realized your dad would not have an office Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, at that point, my dad was a freelance journalist and my mom worked at a school, my mom was a counselor, so. Yeah, no. <laughs> at a school. Whereas, yeah, for most of my, for my entire life, my dad has been in the business of doing business. So they would always have an office Christmas party. And mm. when there were kids there, they'd have someone come in dressed as Santa. I do mm-hmm. remember one time, the, the Santa there, I went up like, what do you want for Christmas, little boy? I want World of Warcraft. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't think I called him a faker, but I made him. As soon as he knew, Santa should know all the coolest new video games. So this guy was a fraud. That's the real Santa fake. <laughs> I I think we did go to see Santa, but I think it was like at the annual Christmas fair at church kind of a thing. Gotcha. In like the church cafeteria, which was also the gym. Was there also a Jesus whose lap you could sit on? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is it okay how like I just constantly make wildly inaccurate assumptions about what it was like to grow up Catholic? Yes. Okay, good. Yes, that is acceptable. It is funny. Anyways, back in the movie, we cut back to Rich Boy, and he starts yelling at him, Santa, are you writing this down? My dad's a lawyer, and you know if I don't get what I want, he's gonna sue the pants off you, fat man. God. Dad's gonna sue the pants off of Santa. (laughs) He knows the law is on his side. God. Is this when he starts singing Christmas songs? I do wish if he just tried to shut down this rich kid by singing at him, but no, it is. It, it, I mean, it is now, but it's with a new child who's just bawling because mm-hmm. Santa just, is objectively horrifying if you're young enough. I'm just going to be honest here. All of the montages with kids, except for except for Vicente, uh, just kind of blurred together in my head. I mean, that's so. fair because this is the only one with dialogue. All the other ones are like, yep, he's still Santa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, so Pat decides that he's going to be the singing Santa Claus, and he starts leading sing-alongs and gets all the kids in the holiday spirit, and they do they do little, like, dancing back and forth in line, and it's very adorable. Yeah, he, he sings up on the housetop. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know if there's people, like, visiting in the hallway, or they're just, like, that loud in, from their own unit. It doesn't look like any audio is being picked up, but, like, still. Mm-hmm. I was trying to see if you could hear the wind that's been... <laughs> We've had high wind gusts for the last two days. We've been under a fire a fire warning. <laughs> and and Lady has been scared, which is the worst oh, part. Oh, no! Not Lady! How dare they! <laughs> She's been hiding from the wind under the sofa. Oh, no! That's fine. I will give her plenty of comfort cuddles <laughs> later. 
I'm going to sue the wind for public disturbance. <laughs> you would get so many co-signers for that suit, it's not even funny. <laughs> this old man yells at Cloud, but it's just the entire population of Saskatchewan signing up because wind's too loud. Do not like... <laughs> yep. It's it's not the wind that gets you. I mean, it's not the snow that gets you, it's the wind. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Anyways, back in the film. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so after reading this whole thing, he he sings this he he sings the dang song and the girl girl's happy and Emily is also happy and she's like that was amazing. You're so much better than the guy who I originally hired. Can you please come back tomorrow and the next few weeks leading up to Christmas so that mm-hmm, these children mm-hmm. are not abandoned? Yes. And because Pat is a good guy, he says yes. But he does also ask if he can just wear the Santa costume on his way home cuz he yeah. promises he'll bring it back tomorrow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I'm just over here praying to God that Pat washes that thing at some point in this movie. Oh, I hope that. I, truly, we have no idea how long this whole thing takes. Like, it's implied it's yeah. a few weeks. Yeah. The impression that I was getting is that this is maybe, like, a maybe over the course of, like, a, maybe a week and a half. Not including travel time by bus from New York City to Santa Fe. It was 12 days. <laughs> exactly the 12 days of christmas (gasps) you're right oh that's why now see that it has meaning now (laughs) uh anyways so pat gets back to the b&b and he startles mrs ortega who's like are you just that taken with the christmas spirit Mm -hmm. and then also we find out that she's friends with the security guard at the mall whose name is ryan Mm -hmm. nothing really comes of this though and then like they get some cute little moments like the like i thought there was gonna be a romance subplot but it's really just like yeah them standing within the vicinity of each other mm-hmm. but yeah buenas noches uh, buenas nachos <laughs> he's trying he's trying and yeah then we just like get the time skip montage pat puts all the money in his backpack he dumps the briefcases in the trash and then he runs and he is just missed by seb and jim they're complaining about not finding him and not knowing where anything is, and they're hungry and this town's so small and everything sucks, and nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't, maybe I'm not a good judge, but I feel like Santa Fe isn't that small. I checked Wikipedia. It's got like an 82,000 population. Yeah, it's, like, the movie was mo- well, this portion of the movie was likely shot in, like, the historic district of Santa Fe. Yeah. But, They just, yeah, they it's make not... it sound like- <laughs> They make it sound like it's a really small town with, like, a thousand people, one mall, and one church. Yeah, it's not Summit Springs, <laughs> the setting from the last movie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm, okay, well, to be fair, <laughs> they lost track of Lindsay Lohan pretty easily in Summit Springs, too. Yeah, fair. You know what? Here. I'm curious. I'm currently on a website called BusBud, looking for buses <laughs> from New York City to Santa Fe. You're on BuzzBlast? <laughs> Bus bud, as in buddy, <laughs> as in friend, as in pal. Looks like most buses are two hour or two days and seven hours from New York to Santa Fe. So woof. There you go. Yeah, I'm glad that Damien McGinty went and got his new boot scooting outfit because he was in those clothes for at least three days. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Pat is now fully in the Santa Claus spirit, and we get another montage of cute kids with pat and it's still fun it's still adorable yeah eventually emily like mentions that like hey i've been asking you for your paperwork for a long time you need i need like your tax information so i can pay you properly Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah anyways 
Anyway. Yeah, he says, uh, you don't have to pay me. I'll just be a volunteer sana. <sighs> oh, Patrick, you sweet sim- Well, to be fair, it's not like he doesn't have any money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he can afford to work for free. <laughs> he he truly can. Although Emily is like, hmm, that's Sus. odd. <laughs> Most people would like to be paid. This mm-hmm. boy is a little too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, then. At, at least let me take you to dinner, okay? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, a date? Yes. He's more like, oh, no, my lies. <laughs> yeah, because, look, he might not be much into religion, but he does have that Catholic guilt. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing he got from the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll stick with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> But after he agrees to go to to go on a dinner date with Emily, he goes back to the bed and breakfast where he finds, in a really sad scene, he finds Miss Ortega, who is asleep on the sofa after having had some tequila, and she's kind of dozing, and she's clutching a picture of herself and her and her late husband being sad, and and she wakes up and she apologizes for being sad. She's just so fucking lonely. Yeah. Yeah, like this scene got to me too, and yeah. then and then just to rub it in, uh, Pat like tucks her back in, like puts a blanket over her while he mm-hmm. sings "Tura Lura Lura." Mm-hmm. I don't know how the rest of it goes, but I know that's those are parts of it. <laughs> but yeah, and it's very touching. Yeah. Anyways, come on, Eileen. Oh, I swear, well, I mean, at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Come on. But still, yes, yeah, so consumed with guilt that he assumes must be Catholic because there aren't many other options. Mm-hmm. You never hear about Lutheran guilt. <laughs> Protestant guilt. <laughs> Pro- Protestant guilt to be like, oh, dang, I forgot to bring pasta salad to the potluck. <laughs> but yeah, and of course, because, because he is feeling guilty, the only solution... Is to go to church. Yes. And it's a beautiful church. <laughs> it, it's a really nice historic old church. I also did write mm-hmm. that he sneaks out unsantified, which is like, oh, because Santa <laughs> is a saint, but he's no hey! saint right now. Aw. Instead of sanctified, it's santified. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And because this is a holiday movie, he goes into the church. He doesn't genuflect, but he does sit down in a pew. And he looks up at, presumably at the crucifix, and he looks sad, and... Because there is a young adult who is willingly coming to church of their own intentions on a holiday, the priest just knows, and slides in to sit next to Pat, and introduces himself as, uh, as Father Esteban, or Padre Esteban, depending on how you want to style it. I mean, okay, see, at no point in the film, I think, is he ever referred to as father. It's exclusively Padre, because this guy is supposed to be Mexican. The actor is Italian, but I'm pretty sure the character is Mexican. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pat keeps calling him father, so I was too. Oh, okay, never mind then. <laughs> He's never called father at any point! Pat, like, old hell of father. <laughs> but, yeah, um, and they have a nice little conversation where... The way that Pat phrases it could be interpreted as something completely different because he says, like, look, there was this man who I who I trusted a lot and he was the closest thing to family that I ever had and I did something wrong and I don't know what to do about it. 
and just doing something because this man that I, this older man that I trusted asked me to. Like, does that make me a fool? And Father Esteban is like, no, if you're doing something out of love, that doesn't make you a fool. Something like that. And and it helps. And then because Pat is a nice guy, he asks Father Esteban, like, hey, like, you listen to me because it's part of because it's part of your job. It's part of being a good priest is being able to listen to people. He says, let me listen to you. What's what's on your mind, Father? And Father Esteban is like, well, I'm just sad because we're having a toy drive for the kids and it's been a tough year and people haven't been able to donate like they have in the past. And I just really want to be able to give toys to kids for Christmas because I because I like helping them and it makes them so happy. And Damien, and not Damien, excuse me, Pat is like, hmm, I forget how they kind of end the scene, but I think we then cut to the the two, the two associates getting churros, I think. Yeah, well, they're, they're wandering around. They're still looking for Pat. They're following the vibes. <laughs> Jim sees the church like, oh, what a beautiful church. We should go look in there. And then, then uh, Seb goes, ah, but I want a churro first. I've never had a churro and I've always wanted them. I guess they've never been to Costco. So they go to the churro stand to get churros. And while they're doing this, Pat exits the church, looks around, mm-hmm. and sneaks into the night. Yeah, and it's just like, they ju- they just keep having the vibes. They-, they keep following the good, happy vibes of Damien McGinty around this set, and they keep missing him because of food. Pretty much, yeah. So actually, hang on, to bring the FBI back in. So they mentioned that, like, they had a lead on Joe because of, like, inside knowledge. And for most of this film, I was assuming that Seb was their inside man. And the reason that he was kept on distracting Jim from actually, like, going to find Pat was because he was trying to, like, keep him from getting him. But no, Jim is just, like, Seb and Jim are both truly dullards. Yeah, I, I like that angle, though. It would have been interesting, but I feel like it would have been a completely different ending to the film. Yeah. Yeah. True. Anyways. Anyway. Cut to the next day. The jingle bells thing along with the kids. And that's all we need to know. He's still, there are still children here. In Santa Fe, they still got the kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And look, they probably did, (laughs) they probably did all these kids sequences filmed over one day. (laughs) But yeah. And they, I forget, is this where they have, where... Pat and Emily have their little chat while they're like on break or whatever and hiding from the kids? Or is that later? I don't even remember them hiding from kids. I think this is just them fully after work. No, there was... <sighs> oh, there... The, the, that that chat was the chat when she was asking him to go to dinner. Oh. It got mixed in with all the kid montages in my head and I couldn't place it anymore. <laughs> this is why I should have there is better There ones. is no timeline. There is no plot. It's just kid montages for all of eternity. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so ne- yeah, so at this point, hmm? I said we cut to date. We do cut to date. Go for it. No, you go for it. I've been talking a lot. You go for it. No, you're good. Fine <laughs> then, if you insist. Uh, they're on the date, <laughs> all being cutesy with each other. Emily's telling Pat about how her parents own the mall, and she's been working there on the events committee ever since she finished college. And mm-hmm. uh, Pat's like, oh, I hated school, uh, but I will sing in the church choir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she asks him, like, okay, so what is your parent situation? He's like, all right, well, dad died during the Troubles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Glee would Glee never mention the Troubles. Glee does not have the capacity to deal with the <laughs> Troubles. Oh, my God. Could you... I don't want to imagine the dark future, the dark universe where 
<laughs> where they try to do, I don't know, some kind of like a tribute episode or something to the troubles of Ireland. I can't imagine it. I can, and it's terrible. It has an ill-advised cover of a "Come On Eileen," uh, and then Danny Boy, but in minor key. God. And Rachel's the one singing it. Ah no. Anyways, uh, yeah, his dad died during the troubles, and then his mom had to give him up because she couldn't support him. And then it was like, "That's real sad." I'm gonna get you some cider because it's cold out. And it's like, "Nope, it's cold. That's really damn cold. Holy shit, is it cold?" <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was something where they just, like, they just kept the camera on Damien, and so he kept saying, it's cold, over and over again. Uh, and then and then he, like, mentions to himself, there's a few times where Pat has, like, an inner monologue, but he is saying these things out loud. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's not even, like, a, a turn-to-the-camera freeze frame, like in Saved by the Bell. He's just, like, th- he's, he's thinking out loud. Mm-hmm. And he looks to the church and is like, I need help, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and then out of the ether. Out of the ether comes some guy. Yeah, he's just some guy. He's totally a normal guy. And he asks Pat if he likes this time of year. And Pat's like, oh, I don't know, but I think I'm starting to. Uh, and then the random guy's like, well, let me know if you need help. And then leaves. And Pat is like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, Emily comes back and they go to get dinner and because they're in Santa Fe they end up at a Hispanic restaurant where there's a lady dancing flamenco yeah and Pat is like I don't know why but Pat gets startled by the castanets (laughs) he's getting preemptive PTSD because the sounds of the I think it's more so like the shoe percussion that's going on oh baby (laughs) it's making him fear the concept of being I don't know beaten or shot or something by joe and and the minions but it it freaks him out enough that he says hey emily let's switch places because i don't want to i don't want you to be affected by the draft coming from the door to the outside of the restaurant and so they switch places and he says oh it's cold and he pops his collar and he says oh also i'm gonna wear your hat which is a very nice pink beret. And she's like, ha okay. I don't know what's going on, but you're nice, so I'm gonna stick around. <laughs> and eventually he's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And she's like, ha what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, this boy's weird, but he's cute as hell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Pat goes to the bathroom, and as he is leaving the bathroom, or he leaves the bathroom, and then immediately afterwards... The, the two goons, um, remind me their names. Seb Jim and, and Seb. Jim and Seb. One of them, the smart one, uh, emerges and, you know, washes his hands like a regular human being and is complaining about how, ah, oh, I just feel it. He's so close. We have no idea where he is. We've been in this town for so long. <laughs> been in this town for 12 days. <laughs> and he's, as he's about to go back out into the restaurant, he is stopped by... The same person who we last saw standing over baby Pat's crib and telling him he was going to have a special destiny. Yeah, the, the little person waltzes in and is like, man, I need some help because I have made a bet with a guy that I, and he said I couldn't figure out the, the lyrics to the 12 days of Christmas and so y'all gonna help me. Mm-hmm. 
and they just get fully sucked in. So while Pat and Emily are like having dinner and talking about their hopes and dreams and stuff, mm -hmm. Jim and Seb and the little person are having a whole debate over the lyrics of 12 Days of Christmas, like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. including a cut where it's like, Emily, like, saying, oh, I've never been out of the country before, but I think it'd be really nice, and I think the first place I'd visit is Ireland, and then I cuss to the guys in the bathroom, five golden rings! <laughs> rings. And there's a, <laughs> there's a whole debate over turtle doves. Because Seb doesn't trust the government. Do you know where we are? New Mexico. Government you know experiments. New Mexico. Cabots. Cabot. <laughs> half cat, half rabbit. And the little person is like, oh, I totally believe this guy. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read that. He's I read that something. on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And basically, by the time that Jim and Seb finish going through the 12 Days of Christmas, uh, they turn around and the little person who they previously shown the picture of Patrick, like, do you know this guy? And he says, yes, I do know him, but I'll help you if you help me. Which is by remembering every single lyric of the 12 Days of Christmas. And by the end of it, they turn around. They have written all of the lyrics of 12 Days of Christmas on a roll of toilet paper. They turn around. He's gone. And Seb says something to Jim about like, oh, well, now there's two idiots in the john. <laughs> and they're so incensed that they just storm out. And they don't even look to see that Pat is right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so the date goes well, and then Pat comes back, and Mrs. Ortega is also in a great mood because the FBI came over. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. that seems fake. I don't think I'd be thrilled if the FBI came no, anywhere. No, I don't think anyone would be. But she's like, ooh, it was so exciting. They traced a call from a criminal back to this location. And I'm sitting here like, Mrs. Ortega, Senorita Ortega, there's Senora. only two people here. <laughs> Senora. And the FBI are clearly not, like, they said it's a criminal. And so you, please connect the two dots that either you're sheltering one, or they're just going to assume it's you. you. You're part of the Irish mob now! Yeah. But but also, this doesn't matter. This truly doesn't matter on account of the fact that they keep trying to make you think the FBI matter, but they don't matter. And in this movie, they don't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the prospect of law enforcement is enough to make Pat go have to lie down. And yep. he's just like, <laughs> gotta take oh. another power nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has to take another sad power nap. So he does. And then he, uh, the next day we cut back to more kids, but to one kid in particular, because this is where he is doing the, you know, like, oh, what do you want for Christmas, little kid? And this little kid says that his name is Vin, short for Vincente. And he wants a mom and a fire truck. <laughs> <laughs> a mom or a fire truck. Ah, very important <laughs> distinction. <laughs> and Pat's is like, oh yeah, I can see why. It's a man never knows when he's going to need a fire truck. <laughs> and something about, uh, no, Pat's is like, but why do you want a mom? And Vincente says, well, it's because I live in a group home and there's no more fosters that are available. <laughs> and Pat's like, oh, now it's personal. <laughs> yep. So he said, tells Vicente to come back tomorrow. Tells mm -hmm. Emily that, oh, alright, we're closing up shop, because tomorrow's Christmas Eve and we gotta get ready. And so then he gets her, and he gets Ryan the security guard. Mm -hmm. Wrangles them into basically raiding all of the stores before they close for the mm -hmm. night. Gonna pay everything in cash, and Emily, come on, girl, realize something about this man. <laughs> yeah, like, look, Emily, he's independently wealthy, by one way or another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
But as they are raiding the toy stores for gifts for all the kids, they they turn around at one point and just some guy, the some guy who was over there who told Pat, like, hey, just ask for help if you need it. He's just there and he hands them a basketball or something like, hey, kids love basketballs. <laughs> and he turns and he just leaves and everyone is like, wow, what a crazy guy. <laughs> Yeah, and then everyone goes back to the B&B so they can wrap everything. It's so- they're all in holiday sweaters. It's so cute. It really is really cute. They're all together with their holiday stuff. And then mm-hmm. we cut again to, like, the next day. It's Chris. It's uh, Chris, Christmas Eve day. Yesterday was Christmas Eve Eve. This is Christmas Eve day. Mm-hmm. And we see Pat as Santa handing, like, he, this guy has remembered everything that everyone has asked for and is handing it out amongst them. Mm-hmm. Presumably everything except the rich kids things because fuck that guy. Yes. You can have a hot, you can have a, a model yacht. Yeah, you never specified the required sizes of the plane that flies the speedboat and the yacht. So you're only getting models and you're going to like it. There you go. There you go. And as as we get this montage of Santa Pat handing out toys, we see just randomly Senora, oh god, I'm missing her last name. Ortega. Ortega? Senora Ortega. She's just at the mall with a container of green chile salsa, I think. But she's bringing it for Ryan because apparently that's his favorite. And as she is in walking through the mall, she meets up with with Vincente, who is like, Oh, hey, is that green chile? I love green chile. And she's like, I do too. She says, how have we not been friends before? And I'm sitting here like, okay, this is cute, but you're a grown woman and he's an orphan. So I think there's a very good reason why you have not met him yet. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, what do you call it when you mix red and green chilies together? Christmas! That was a bit much even for me. Yeah. <laughs> this, this movie surely warmed my cold, dead heart. But that one, I was like, come on, that that's just silly. <laughs> Cut to the Megaforce Chile Ranger. <laughs> just... <laughs> Just absolutely coated in red and green chiles. It's the da 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 da, but it's played on a mandolin. God, could you imagine? I can. It's playing in my head right now, but I can't make it come <laughs> out of my mouth, so I'm not going to try. Mm. Anyways, Vincent gets his fire truck. Yes, and it's so adorable because he's like, wow, a fire truck! And of course, as they're there handing out gifts, we, we see Jim and Seb walk up to this... They're, they're checking them all one last time, and then we cut to this suburban mom who's standing there just vibing, and they're like, what's going on over here? And she's like, oh, it's the singing Santa! He's the best, my kids love him, I've brought my boys here three times already! And they're like, wait, Santa who sings? And she's like, yeah! There's only one person who sings! <laughs> yeah, there's only one kid in this movie who likes music! <laughs> They're like, and does he have an accent, ma'am? And she's like, yeah, he's got some kind of an accent. Don't know where it's from. And they're like, does this man look familiar? And she's like, no, but he is Irish, though. And they're like, that's it. Yeah. And- Seb grabs an, a baseball bat and they go up and they, he calls him out by name. And he looks up in guilt and alarm. Yeah. He gets the, the his eyes go wide. He immediately deposits the child that was on his lap to the ground and books it. No, he doesn't. He doesn't just book oh, it. Oh, that's Tanner. right. Pat sees uh, Senora Ortega's her her Tupperware of green chile, and he 
grabs he grabs the Tupperware and hucks it into into Seb's face, like just full on eyes full of Chile, and he then he books it, and Jim is just yelling at him like "You traitor!" <laughs> and meanwhile, poor Jim grabs a kid's stocking hat off of him to try to wipe the salsa off of his face, <laughs> and the kid says, "Oh no, stop!" Takes the hat covered in covered in green chile and puts it back on his own head. <laughs> that just delighted me. But yeah, it's time for a chase sequence. A la yeah, Scooby-Doo. Uh, so Pat runs. We see them follow. Uh, they run past a bed store and we see Pat hiding under there and then he crawls out. And then like, I didn't go into a lot of detail, but it's like he hides. Then he hides in a bug museum. He hides in like a gift shop. A gift shop with a bunch of gifts for the bug museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they see him and they give chase again. And then he hides himself in like one of those cars that just sits in the middle of the mall as like a giveaway. Or you can buy- own this car if you touch it for long enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hands on a hard body. <laughs> oh, that, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. I always thought that meant something else, Wink. Anyways, uh, all this time, the entire crowd is chasing them as well. Like, yes. they're good enough distance away that they can't interfere, but, like, th- they're just speed walking down the mall, like, huh, something weird is happening. Some random guys are chasing Santa. What's going mm-hmm. on? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and Pat eventually uh, doubles back to go through them, and as he does, he just grabs a handful of money from his money backpack and chucks it in the air. <laughs> Yes, which is sufficient enough distraction that the crowd kind of dissipates because, you know, hey, $100 bills. Yeah. Well, they, I don't think they're, they can't all be $100 bills on account of the fact that he did have $1,300,002. True. But still, still, free money. <laughs> and as they're all picking up money, Jim and Seb run by and they're like, no, stop, you're all thieves, and try to take the money back. <laughs> but it's enough... Um, also, this entire time, I think that suburban housewife from earlier, she's just been eating from a bowl of popcorn this entire time watching the chase. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, uh, Pat books it out of the mall. He runs past uh, someone ringing a bell. This is your reminder to not donate to the Salvation Army. Yes, I will say the person in the movie was not Salvation Army. They were no. knockoff Salvation Army. Yes, they were knockoffs, which is They're good. Res- rescue militia. Yes. <laughs> Rescue Heroes! <laughs> That's just Power Rangers, baby. You know Rescue Heroes is its own thing, right? I assumed. I was also just connecting to Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue. I mean, Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue is the ideal Rescue Heroes, but also Rescue yes. Heroes is its own thing. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't know whether you know whether Rescue Heroes is or not. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a television show from Canada that I've never seen. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted because I forgot Christina doesn't consume media. <laughs> I don't consume Canadian media, usually. It had a toy associated toy line. Tanner, most of my toys as kids were Legos and Pokemon. My parents wouldn't have bought me Canadian import toys. <laughs> well, they should have. <laughs> there you go. Travel back to 2004, tell them to pay my parents more and the- so that they can buy me Canadian import toys. <laughs> No, I'll just trick them to move to Canada, and then I'll be friends with you all through school. <laughs> Imagine how insufferable we'd be if we had, like, oh, an God. additional ten years of mutual friendship. Would we still be doing this podcast if we had been friends, like, actually in person during Glee's original airing? No, what we would have been doing is we, <laughs> we would have been, been doing, like, the after... Sh- we would have been doing the after shows and uploading them onto YouTube, like, the day after Glee airs. Like, okay, guys, so here's what just happened on Glee. 
Oh my god, that's an alternate universe now. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know where we are because I was watching the Rescue Heroes intro. <laughs> <laughs> we got to the part where Pat is running past the running past the store and just dumps a bunch of money at the bell ringer. Right. And then continues <laughs> to run through the streets shedding parts of his santa costume as he goes and he does run past the fbi yeah he does <laughs> again we have not seen them for like a solid 45 minutes yeah they're just they're in this movie like five times total never for longer than 30 seconds we're yeah th- i think they're in this movie three times and this is the second time like at least jim and seb we've seen them looking for pat around as far as we know the fbi agents have just been sitting in their car the entire time going Wow, there sure is Santa Fe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's get some donuts. Yeah. But yeah. So Pat runs by them. He ends up running to the church, or he ends up at the church. And so he runs up to the lectern and dumps his entire backpack, what's left of the cash, at the base of the lectern. He doesn't dump the cash. He just puts the entire backpack down. Yes. He's not, like, spewing that's, loose cash everywhere. No, no, that's what I meant. He, like, he dumps it as in he leaves it there, but he does right. leave the entire backpack with all of the cash that is left in it. <laughs> and he also leaves a note. Mm-hmm. A note, which he does take the time to scribble on the... I don't know what this book is doing on the lectern. It's a book of intentions, I think. Could just be a guest book. True. But, so he leaves it there, and then... While this is happening, the crowd, because the crowd, they rush outside and the bell ringer points in a direction. And so they're rushing after and they like, they see the breadcrumbs and it's like, oh my gosh, he, he dropped his beard and belly and returned to the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Emily looks distraught. <laughs> the FBI agents see the crowd and they're finally like, hang on, maybe there is some kind of occurrence happening. <laughs> maybe we should do something about it. Maybe. <laughs> Hmm, maybe this is an event. <laughs> and so they just, they put the siren up on top of their car from where it had been detached, and they go, whoa, off. <laughs> and we then cut to Pat being lonely as he's in the park where he was on a date with Emily, and he starts to sing Oh Holy Night as he just kind of wanders around the park. And he he has a montage of the date and the people he's been making friends with in Santa Fe. He absolutely knocks this rendition out of the park. Oh, absolutely. And he puts in all the emotion of someone who assumes that they're either about to die or get arrested. Yes. Josh Groban hoomst. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's very good. And eventually everyone shows up at the park because they already knew where how to find the singing Santa. You just listen for the sound of a of a lone Irish tenor singing. <laughs> the only Irishman in all of Santa Fe. <laughs> <laughs> this this tiny village of a thousand people. <laughs> and so they get there and they're like, what's going on? But they don't have that much time. And Vincente is like, Santa, is that you? And Pat is going to say something. And then the Jim and Seb show up and he's like, fuck it. I'm running again. Goodbye. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And he does some parkour yep. around the gazebo. At this point, uh, Ryan, the security guard, does apprehend Seb because nobody messes with his green chili. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good for you, Ryan. And uh, then while this is happening, the Padre, Padre Esteban, saw Pat's letter, and Pat jumps into the fire truck. And we saw this fire truck earlier during the the, the date from the previous night, or the, mm-hmm. the whatever nights ago. 
We saw the yes. fire truck earlier, that, and we saw that it was like associated with some kind of fundraiser. And so now Pat jumps in, and he starts his fire truck to drive away. Emily jumps in after him. She's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I want to know, and I really don't care what, what you're doing, because I'm in this fire truck now, so too bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Pat is trying to use the fire truck as a getaway car, because he's like, ah! And he's pretty much just <laughs> making those noises. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> he starts shrieking in terror because also then Jim like grabs onto the side and is trying to climb through the window. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But like he's got the window up all the way, so yeah. Jim is just yelling into the glass and every now and then Pat is just like like whacking the window like no go, <laughs> go away. away. Shoot. Like like he's a bird or something. Exactly. And also then the FBI are chasing him, but this is truly the world or the world's slowest car chase. I cannot run yeah. them on foot. Cuz the FBI is like is that Jim Kelly hanging on to the side of that fire truck? I guess we should do something about this, huh? Is that is is that Matt Doyle? <laughs> Matt Doyle? Is that Matt Doyle? Ma- is that Matt Doyle? Ma- is that Matt, Matt Doyle? Doyle? Yeah, that is Matt Doyle. <laughs> They're all Matt Doyle. It is Matt Doyle. <laughs> God bless Lu- God bless Louis Long. Also, while all of this is happening, uh, Vicente looks at the fire truck that he got, and then he looks up at the fire truck involved in the chase, and he just nods in approval. Mm-hmm. And like inside the fire truck, Pat is ex- is explaining in extremely in extremely short sentences that he worked for this guy in New York who wanted him to do something illegal. And now these guys are trying to get the money back that he was supposed to be a dead drop for. And Emily's like, ah, what the fuck? And then, then then, Jim, like the gong show, Jim gets hooked by a candy cane and torn away from the fire truck. And it's, it's Madre Esteban with the steel candy cane! (laughs) Bonk! Yeah, because, like, this whole time, like, Padre Esteban had been shown, like, on the sidewalk, like, looking at the, like, is that, is that Pat in the Santa suit? Is that Pat in the Santa suit driving the, driving the fire truck towards me? And I was like, oh, God, don't run him over. But thankfully, no, he just manages to just, uh, just get the candy cane around Jim's neck or something and just pulls him off of the fire truck and then it's just just like bonking him in the head with the ornamental candy cane until the FBI gets there to do something. (laughs) Who needs cops when you've got Padre Esteban? Exactly. Uh, And then so then, like, Jim's gone, like, he, they wave at Padre Esteban, thank you! And they're like, he thinks he's about to make a, a huge getaway, and then the fire truck slows to a stop. Because there's no gas, and... Well, that's anticlimactic. Yeah, what kind and... of fire truck runs out of gas? It's an emergency vehicle! What if there's an emergency, like, right now? And then Emily's like, well, Pat, maybe it's because this is the old fire truck... That, you know, looks old, and they use it for a fundraiser every year. And he's like, oh. Well, no, actually what he said, because she's like, don't you think it looks old-fashioned? And he says, of course it looks old-fashioned, Emily. Everything in Santa Fe looks old-fashioned. No, Pat, everything in historic Santa Fe looks (laughs) old-fashioned. Everything in the part of Santa Fe that you're only legally allowed to film in looks (laughs) old-fashioned. 
Uh, but then he just has like a full-on meltdown, panicking about how he's gonna get arrested or he's gonna mm-hmm. get deported. It doesn't matter which one, because Joel's got Joel's those people in every prison all over the world, and he's like a big Irish octopus who'll just reach through the bars. Yeah! <laughs> and I was just over there, like, <laughs> what? Like, if you told me anything about this, I could have helped. <laughs> Um, and then he panics so hard, he just kind of, like, flings himself out of the fire truck and knocks himself out. Yeah, and Emily, like, tries to dive after him, and then we just cut to the next scene of him being woken up by a very large, cute nose in his face, and I was like, is he dead? <laughs> he thinks he's dead. Is this the Christmassy afterlife? <laughs> <laughs> he died and went to the North Pole. Close. <laughs> Stay tuned for now. He does say, oh, my head's all wet. It's blood. I'm bleeding out. And then mm-hmm. you hear a voice say, it's not blood. It's reindeer slower. Stop it, Dunder. Yeah. And he's like, Dunder? And he's like, yeah, well, it's daughter for you English speaking folks. It means thunder in Dutch. Mm-hmm. And he sits up and there's a, there's a tall figure in a red fur trimmed robe. And we see the hood pull back from the face, and it's some guy! (laughs) Because it turns out some guy was the real Santa Claus all along. It's a Christmas miracle. Uh Uh-huh. And at this point, Emily is also there because she was still in the fire truck, and she shows up. She pokes her head out of the door, and Santa Claus is like, Yeah! Hey, yeah, hey, Patrick, I've I've been basically... Not following you, but I've been, but I've been interceding in your life in small ways to just be there because my my elf Aloysius, that's Aloysius. His name. Aloysius, thank you. I knew it was something like that. But Aloysius found you when we were, I guess, delivering presents when you were a baby in the orphanage, and said, "Hey, Santa, like this one's a good one. Let's keep an eye on him." <laughs> yeah, he like recognized the potential to do great things. His great potential for caring and loving and supporting his fellow humans. And then we also see flashbacks to like show that Santa was also, he was a patron at Joe's pub and he was also the bus driver that took Pat to Santa Fe. Uh, But of course you wouldn't have noticed that because they didn't really draw attention to those cameos. I did notice that his name was Nick, but I was like, nah, it's a Christmas movie. You gotta have someone named Nick. (laughs) Exactly. Who could have thought that in a Christmas movie, the guy named Nick would be St. Nicholas. (laughs) But yeah, and it basically turns out that Santa is like, hey, Pat, do you want to be the new Santa Claus? Because I'm 1,748, 49. Because next year he was going to be 1750. Mm, 49, yeah. And his knees just can't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah, so basically he go- he turns to Pat, this poor little meow meow undocumented immigrant from Ireland played by Damien McGinty and he says, hey kid, you want to be Santa Claus? Because Emily's done a great job of training you to be Santa Claus already. And even says, I'll be your family. And this whole time, Emily's just kind of like nodding and smiling like, oh yeah, it's the real Santa Claus. She's he's like, gonna take my le- he's going to take my love interest to the North Pole. Does Emily think that she's dead? <laughs> Emily might think that she's also, but also like, there's no one else around. Like, I think when Patrick blanked out, Santa just like, Remove them from the time stream temporarily? <laughs> They're in a pocket dimension? Maybe. I was trying to think of a pun on pocket dimension, but I couldn't think of one to go with Santa Claus. Sack dimension. Nah. Santa also, like, uh, Pat wants to know how come Santa's showing up now, and Santa explains that 
the only way Patrick could fill his potential was if he, like, had the upbringing that he did and, like, could fully understand what children went through the same way that he did. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. Which is also Catholic. <laughs> that's just, oh, I think that's the issue. That's what Jesus did. <laughs> that's what Jesus did. And and the second coming is actually going to be when Jesus finds the perfect meow meow and elects him to be the next messiah. Because his knees can't take it anymore. I think that's the Antichrist, Tanner. (laughs) No, you're right. For for Jesus, it'd be his shoulders that are giving out because he spends so long, like, it's his shoulders and abs. He's been flexing on the cross all these years. Remind me later to send you the picture of magical transformation Jesus. (laughs) What the fuck? As in, it is a, it is a crucifix from my sister-in-law's church where... Jesus is, for lack of a better word, and I'll just, I'll put this in our group chat, Emily, so you will see it absolutely without context, and you'll get context whenever you edit this. But it's like, for lack of a better word, it's Jesus being wrapped in, like, Sailor Moon transformation ribbon. Fascinating. See, I I almost thought you were going to be talking about, like, the, the Jesus crucifix that is also a transformer and turns into a fighting robot. Ah, uh, I've seen that. I like that. Also, I just want to do some quick math, because I just thought of something. Yes. Oh darn! So, I I was oh no maybe hang on no I did I did math wrong because I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one thousand seven hundred forty nine years before this film takes place would have been the year two hundred seventy Common Era, mm-hmm. which is traditionally recognized as the birth of Saint Nicholas of Myra, the inspiration mm-hmm. for Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh, you just did that off the top of your head. Of course you did. Well. No, I didn't. I saw that on I saw I saw that on trivia before we got on the call. So, so someone else did the math for me. Oh, okay, just because the the way you responded was like, yeah, yeah, everyone knows that Saint Nicholas of Myra was born in two seventy CE. <laughs> are you are you allowed to take Saint Nicholas as your confirmation saint? Yeah, I don't see why not. Because it's it just feels inherently silly. Like unless you're real into Christmas. I mean, I know, I know that's not all he's about, like from tradition, traditional Catholicism. But also, I really feel like the only people who are good at it is like I'm gonna make Christmas my entire personality. I mean, hey, look, there's <laughs> in the Catholic Church, you pick your confirmation saint usually when you're like thirteen, fourteen, maybe. 15. Do you think there are thirteen year olds who have not decided that Christmas is going to be their personality, especially in the Catholic Church? <laughs> I think there is probably a non-zero number of Catholics out there who have Nicholas as their confirmation saint. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a theology podcast yet. (laughs) Basically, Pat is like, I would love to be Santa, but also can I say bye to Emily first? And Santa's like, yeah, sure. And he goes off to give them a moment alone. And then basically it's like she kisses him on the cheek and good luck. I was like, kiss on the mouth, kiss on the mouth. With tongue. (laughs) Maybe not tongue, but... <laughs> I saw... How would the song go? I saw future Santa Frenching the mall events coordinator in front of current Santa. Uh, you have to work with the meter a bit, but... Underneath the fire truck last night. <laughs> well, yeah. Also, I guess a kiss on the cheek is fair because they have known each other for 12 days maximum at this point. Uh, that's true, I guess. <laughs> 
You know what? Yeah, I will give them credit for not immediately. I mean, I guess they kind of immediately fell in love, but it's like they're they're treating it like normal people. They're like, yes. okay, we're you're literally being adopted by Santa Claus. Let's be normal about each other at least. Yes, yeah, and basically they're like, yeah, I hope we'll see each other sometime soon. But it's been grand, and Emily's like, yeah, it's been grand, and I was like, oh. And the background sounds like, come on, Pat, we got work to do, and you're going to see each other sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. And he winks right at the camera, and I'm like, sir. Get ready for Santa fake, too. <laughs> God, could you imagine? I want that. Who would you cast in Santa fake, too? It would still be the same people. Oh, God, what if Santa fake, too, is Santa Pat trying to deal with somebody who is impersonating Santa Claus? <laughs> No, it'd be, it'd be Santa Pat's first run as Santa Claus, but he still has, like, imposter syndrome. Oh, so we make it a psychological drama. <laughs> I mean, it's still a Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a very introspective one. But we'll also put Court Overstreet in there, too. There you go. Amber Riley. Everyone except Leah. <laughs> well, it'll be Court Overstreet's character and Pat and Emily, and they'll form a Santa Thruple. God. We got Santa Claus, we got we got Pat Claus, we got Mrs. Claus, and we got the hunky boy who lives in the suite above the sh- the reindeer shed. God. Uh, so anyway, so Santa, they, they, they get ready to fly away. Santa goes, on Dasher, on Dancer, on Donner, I know the rest. Come on, everybody, let's go. They just sit there as Sa- as old Santa is like, not not whipping, but he's, like, doing the reins, you know, like, come on, go on. And Santa Pat is just sitting there, just like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be a Santa Claus. And he's just sitting there vibing next to them as they sat there for an uncomfortably long amount of time, which I'm assuming was while they were waiting for the trailer that the sleigh was on to start moving. Because <laughs> he's just sitting there bopping away for, like, a solid ten seconds before finally they start moving. And then he turns away, he turns back to look at Emily, and he goes, bye, I'll see you soon! And she waves <laughs> as they fly away, and into the credits, which is the same storybook from the beginning. And we see, like, a montage, or not a montage, we see illustrations of Pat and Santa, you know, flying off and doing Santa-ly things. <laughs> and then, like, in between the storybook outro, we see the successful Christmas party that the parish is throwing. Where, you know, everyone's giving out presents to the kids, and Padre Esteban is there, and he looks very happy. And we see that Senora Ortega is adopting Vicente, and it's super adorable, and I choked up. Because look, they got family! They got family, Tanner! They got people, each other. Mm-hmm. And and then we also cut to Emily at, I think it's the same Christmas party? I've got to yeah. assume it's the same Christmas party. And she sees, like, a gift addressed to her. Mm-hmm. A little envelope, and she opens it up, and it's plane tickets to Ireland. Uh-huh. And she's just like, oh! And she, like, cl- and she just, like, holds them close. And just looks looks happy and sad at the same time. Uh, and then the last the the last scene is Joe sitting alone at the pub, who has not been arrested yet. Thanks FBI. They're getting there, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, they got to. They're they're, they're buying churros. <laughs> God, but he 
he's just sitting there with his head in his hands, and as, as he, like, is massaging his eyes, he takes his hands away from his face, and he looks down, and there's a single, there's this very small box in front of him, and he goes, and he opens it, and inside this little tiny box is a single charcoal briquette. <laughs> <laughs> And he starts freaking. I was like, "Who did that? Who did that? I hate Christmas." And then we just cut to the rest of the credits. Oh, and by the way, the font that I was trying to identify this whole time <laughs> is called Harrington. It's part of the Microsoft Office suite, so they certainly had it for free with whatever they were using to edit the credits. Yep, Th- that's not the only thing. But we also get a little blurb just before the credits, where like it pops yeah. up on screen. I got a screenshot of it. Bless the diaspora of the world wherever they may roam, and, and bless, bless those gentle, gentle people, people who make, make them, them feel, feel at home. home. Yeah. I, d- I could not find those exact words, but I'm pretty sure this is just a take on, like, common Irish prayers and blessings. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it was really nice. And so yeah. I think, I, I'm pretty sure the director was Irish of some manner. Probably, yeah. And I also appreciated that in the credits at the end, there was a, like, at the part of, you know, like, hey, thanks Thanks to all of the different organizations that helped us put this movie on. There was a part at the end about, and a super duper peppermint candy coated ho 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 laden reindeer kissed cinnamon spiced elf approved thanks with extra marshmallows and chocolate sprinkles on top to all the beautiful, brilliant, angelic, hilarious children that came to play with us. You are all so appreciated and loved. That is two sentences. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I would watch Santa Fake too. Yeah. Especially if it was on Tubi. Uh, it's gotta be. It'll be a Tubi original. God. I'm just over here. I'm like, I just need, I need Tubi to make merchandise. <laughs> I need an official Tubi sticker so that I can put it on my water bottle and show everyone how much I appreciate Tubi. <laughs> well, I started Tanner, so do you want to go first? I do want to go first. My yeah, go gold star song is uh, Tura Lura Lura because that got me choked up. Mm-hmm. How about yourself? Uh, definitely Oh Holy Night for me. Damien just knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. This is, I'm so glad Damien McGinty got his own vehicle. Absolutely. (laughs) He got his own vehicle and he got a fire truck. Exactly. (laughs) Speaking of the fire truck, my gold star moment is his little freak out at the end because (laughs) (laughs) we're just like, oh, he's, he is chewing his way through that scenery and it is delightful. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your gold star moment? Can I make my gold star moment the fact that, like, hey, look what David and Heather can do when they actually have a fucking script with characters that are more than one-dimensional. <laughs> I mean, Brittany is at least two-dimensional, but Damien is not. Yeah, tragically. Tragically, Rory Flanagan found dead in Miami. <laughs> God. That's why he never comes back. <sighs> and my worst moment uh, was really hard. So you know what my worst moment is? What? The fact that there's no blooper reel. Oh, God, could you imagine? I'm doing a Google right now, I'll have you know. <laughs> uh, not seeing any, though, regrettably. I'll do a more in-depth Google after we get Release off the Release the Santa Flake bloop fake. The Santa Fake blooper reel. Please? For us? Your friends. Mm-hmm. Please, Damien, Heather, if you're listening. Did you find a, a worst, or is that the most we can do for this borderline flawless um, film? I'm trying to decide what my worst was. Because what what can you what truly can you say against this film that is kind of goofy? Eh, yeah, I the only things that I can think of that I would call a worst were like, hey, Joe definitely killed Freddy. 
<laughs> but yeah, we should we should have gotten a follow up on Freddy's head in a duffel bag. Yeah. Hey Santa, I want Freddy to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can't think of anything that would be uh, that would be a specific worst. Cause like this this is the thing where it's like the like I wouldn't necessarily call this like high cinema, but I would. <laughs> but but no, it's a no. it's a lot of fun. It is exactly what it needs to be, and it still managed to go a little bit beyond that. Yeah, and like the the downs were not like bad, if that makes sense. Like there there wasn't anything that was egregiously terrible that we had to call out. Yeah, like that's why they're tr- it's a truly a reach. <laughs> it's a fucking nice change of pace from Glee. <laughs> Which we have to record about in two days. I'm aware. So I guess there's only two things left to say. The first thing left to say is... The first thing to do is click on the wrong link in the Google Drive. The second thing to do (laughs) Mm -hmm. is say that Loser Like Me is a part of the Quarter Podcast Network and we can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice. If we're not there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can be found on Twitter at LoserLikeMePod on Twitter, and we'll be there until the site just fucking explodes. Um, but you mm-hmm. can also send us an email at LoserLikeMe at gmail dot... Oh, I'm sorry, I misspoke. LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com. Send us your favorite... I had a joke and I completely forgot it. Must not have been that funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, by the time that you hear this, we will have... Well, we already have our own Tumblr, but I'm getting the art finished for it. And I don't remember the URL yet because I don't have it logged in on my on my iPad. But we have our Tumblr and it will be in the episode description for this episode. Yes. We also have a Discord in the episode description. I feel like we forget to mention that on this thing because I don't have it written into the notes because we didn't have one when we opened up the, uh, the outro. I'll put it in once we finish talking through the outro. Oh, I remember. Send us your favorite examples of Protestant guilt. <laughs> we'll read them out on the next episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the, the next episode we record after this airs, because this, oh, we're a month in advance now. That's bonkers. Yeah, we're on, we're on Morphin Grid time. <laughs> oh, we're, the, I think the Morphin Grid is well beyond that. But this is now the part where we say the next time, and next time, Christina, will you do me the honor of being my bride? Tanner, I regret to inform you that I am a woman. <laughs> ah, dang, I knew I forgot something. <laughs> But I will be your Jaeger co-pilot. Excellent. You might have to get in there with Lindsay too. Hey, you know what? If they if they can do the triplets for Crimson Typhoon, that they can do three of us for podcasting. Exactly. I think we can definitely pilot. Uh, what would our What would our Jaeger be? Also, okay, guys, tell us what our Jaeger would be. But um, <laughs> this episode <laughs> is getting long, so I think yeah, we cracked two hours. So instead, I think yeah, we, we cracked two say, hours. <laughs> three, two, one. And Um, that's what you missed missed on on Santa Fake. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christina are gonna figure out why we love the show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Loser like me